0: Five Year Mission the Podcast, Episode Five.
1: This week's episode of Five Year Mission the Podcast is brought to you by Fansets, the place for amazing pin collectibles. See all the pins and collectibles they have to offer at fansets.com and stay tuned for this week's special Five Year Mission the Podcast discount code. Fansets, we are Star Trek.
0: What is <laughs> that? Podcast.
1: But now it, you figured are, out that this is that? the five-year mission podcast. <laughs>
0: that's all. all right, if it, we can get, right, we should do the, right, the so
1: podcast. So I'll just like, get you know, right to the like point. A, this no, one. just
2: podcast. Oh, is that's it. it?
1: Yeah. yeah just, oh, that's, that's it. it. Do your podcast, and then, then we'll go into the, the actual music for you. Yeah. It. All right.
0: By now you've figured over. What? Welcome to the Five-Year Mission Podcast. You mean Five-Year
1: Mission, the podcast?
0: Oh, I've messed it up already. <laughs> That's why Andy is more of a host.
1: That's right. I am one of your co-hosts, Andy Fark, a.k.a. Fark, just plain and simple.
0: How do you pronounce your last name, Steve?
1: Oh, Palopoli. Palopoli.
0: Yes, you got it first time. Wasn't sure if it was like, like Monopoly, like, you know, Palopoli or... <laughs>
3: Right, that's the other one that I get a lot. But I've gotten everything over the years, from like Palopoli to like Palopolis, Palopolis, like, Palopoli. The Greeks—it's it's actually Italian, but the Greeks want to add a lot of vowels. Oh yeah, of course. Sometimes, like sometimes, people just—I've gotten letters where people just gave up and they did like Steve Pal, They I like, didn't even <laughs> want to try.
0: Hey, it's Steve P. I'm not your yeah, pal, exactly. buddy. Yeah, I'm not
1: your, I'm not your <laughs> <Right>. buddy pal.
0: <laughs> okay. So, introduce our guest, Andy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought we pretty much just did. Tonight, our guest is writer Steve Palopoli? Pa- Palapoli. Oh, no, pa-
0: you got it the first time
3: and not the second. Steve Palopoli.
1: <laughs> Palopoli.
0: <laughs> yeah, get it right, Andy. He's, he's, not, he's not a board game.
1: Get it right or pay the price, just like Salute your Shorts.
0: And this has been Five-Year Mission the Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm glad to be here. Hello, Andy. Hello, Mike.
0: So, Steve, we know who you are, but why don't you tell our listeners who you are?
3: So, I am a uh, writer and newspaper editor out in uh, Santa Cruz, California. I run a newspaper called Good Time Santa Cruz. um, That's an all-weekly out here. But I also write for various other outlets. I do some stuff for Playboy, um, and I did this for star trek dot com I did two articles, as you guys know on uh on five year mission oh we know oh, you know <laughs> yes but yeah, so how I discovered the band was actually really strange. I had been just starting to um, show t o s to my daughter who 's nine Frankie and you know, like she was. You know, she liked some of the episodes. She loved like Trouble with Tribbles, and she loved Shore Leave. You know, when you're a Star Trek fan, you sort of wanna make an impression on your kid about like, no, this is this is like a big deal. Star Trek's a big deal um, <laughs> because none of their none of their friends know who it, what it is. is. So oh, they're like right? Okay. Maybe with the new J.J. Abrams movies, that's that's changed a little bit. But, a little bit. Um, you know, the, the third and fourth grade. It's a wasteland for Star Trek, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll find the episodes. Trouble with Tribbles. There's got to be a song out there about Tribbles or something. (laughs) And I came across on iTunes um, one of the songs from the Trouble with Tribbles EP, and I, I think it was Patrick's. So I heard that. She thought that was super cute, but I just I was like, Five Year Mission. Like that name indicates more star trek goodness so i <laughs> you know click click through and all of a sudden i was like wait shore leave, like that i mean this is an episode that she had already watched like 20 times i mean she was right. so into shore leave so she heard that song and that was just it like you know how with kids they, they just lock into something and they have to watch it over and over and over When she is 65, she's going to be fans of you guys. You know what I mean? That's like what it's like with like kid allegiance. So, um, so she just, she just, there was something about Shirley because of the way it goes through the plot. And she liked that because she was sort of processing like these new science fiction ideas, but it's also just really funny. And that's, you know, she's a big fan of Looney Tunes. She's a big fan of Muppets. Right. Um, So humor is like a big deal for her. So, and Star Trek, you know, it's kind of funny. It has its funny moments. Obviously, Triples is funny, but sometimes it's a little self-serious. And so just, I think, to hear Mike sort of talking about what were the sort of silliest things in the episode just kind of opened her eyes to, like, oh, my gosh, like, it is funny. Like, this is so cool, but also hilarious. (laughs) So, after that, her interest in Star Trek got a lot bigger and took a while to get to this point. But it got to where she'd want to listen to the song that you guys did before she'd decide whether she wanted to watch the
0: episode
3: or not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and, and, nice. and also, you guys probably know this, too. Like, if there's any way to really thoroughly discover music, it's like every detail of music, it's like listening to it with a kid. Because they're so intense, and they want to listen to it over and over again.
1: Absolutely. My son is the same way. He he just turned uh, eight this year, and for the longest time from the time he was like, six years old up until now, like one of his favorite bands was has been Slayer. Oh, <laughs> no way. Slayer, Semple, oh my God. Slayer Sepultura, and Iron Maiden are like his his big three. <laughs> and like like every single time we would go out and have and have what we call Dude Day, which is basically going out for tacos and haircuts. Uh he would always want me to play Iron Maiden's number of the beast. <laughs> and we would Did listen you say to that album. Eight? He's Did
3: you say eight. eight or exactly. okay, twenty eight. Exactly. Not twenty eight. Eight. Oh, wow, yeah, no, no, but,
1: but both of my kids are basically like uh, like eight and ten going on like forty
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> wait,
1: wait Mike, what does
3: Ruby listen to? Well,
0: nowadays, she l- listens to uh, a lot of pop music, yeah, um, hey, Ruby, what do you listen to twenty one pilots my my daughter was there at, you my, go. Da- my
1: daughter my daughter Charlie was actually just talking about twenty one pilots earlier,
0: yeah, she yeah, she went to their concert recently. So she listens to, to that kind of stuff now. But uh, when she was a little bit younger, she didn't have a choice. Hmm. So she listened to a lot of what I listened to. And there, there was one point where she claimed that her, her favorite song was Too Fast for Love. Oh, of course. <laughs> she probably doesn't even remember it now. <laughs>
3: you, true. <laughs> you must have been so proud, though.
0: Well, yeah, she knew all the words. And it's pretty funny to watch a three-year-old sing that song.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. My, ki- my kids at like, bath time, we, I would always put on music. And I I would let them choose and they would remember because I have a strict rule in my car, no kid music in my car. And so they would like listen to whatever I was listening to. So bath time would roll around and they would be picking like the Clash and the Ramones and the Buzzcocks and stuff like that. So it's they were they were hip kids.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Frankie's first band was B-52s. Nice. Of course, who doesn't like the B-52s? But oh, yeah. I wasn't that into them mm-hmm. growing up. and and she, But she just loved them. I've taken her to see them like four times. Uh-huh. Um, she got to interview Kate with me at oh, one point. Oh, my and then Yeah, it was really cool. Then she got into like Talking Heads and just sort of like, I was like, okay, she's like a new wave kid. It's Goldie Blondie and and stuff. So, But I think that kind of primed her. I mean... You can sort of—I mean—the five-year mission has a, a ton of different influences, but yeah. I think clearly you guys draw from that sort of new wave indie rock a lot. So oh, you're yeah. already kind of speaking that language, you know? Yeah. Well,
1: because when we, when you interviewed us for the the articles on Star Trek .com, we talked about some musical influences, and we yeah. uh, we kind of got a little in, in depth, like Patrick's. Influencer like XTC mm-hmm. and Queen and things like that, yeah. and then Chris is really into the Talking Heads, David Byrne.
0: I think Patrick and Chris definitely have the most influence from from that era. That era,
1: yeah. My my mind was always a little more like underground punk rock and like metal stuff. So,
0: and
3: Andy, that was really interesting when we were talking about about how you drum for just how you come up with drum parts for the different member songs. You were kind of saying like, you know, Mike and I sort of came from the same background. Yeah. Like, sort of that pop, punk, punk. That you know, West that, you know, Coast economy, fat all...
1: record stuff, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt like maybe The Link was a little more intuitive. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, like, like he and I bonded over, like, Motley Crue and then found out that he listened <laughs> to, like, No Effects a whole bunch growing up. And,
0: and then uh, I found out that Andy got to see No Effects in our hometown in a small venue back in, like— the heyday, like when I would have loved to have, yeah,
1: mid '90s. I was, I was the first person in the, in the door for that show, and Fat Mike from No Effects himself handed me, uh while he was eating an entire veggie tray in the lobby, <laughs> handed handed me the very very first uh Fat Music for Fat People compilation, the Freifruit for Fat Records. Awesome. And I was like, "Can I get your autograph?" And he was like, "No," and then <laughs> shooed me off inside. <laughs> That's awesome. But hey, that was also like
3: sixteen-year-old me being like, You guys are
1: so cool.
3: <laughs> right, right. Oh my God. But see, that's the great thing about being a kid and discovering music. It's like it means everything to you. You want to find out every little iota that you can about every lyric. You know, wait, what's he saying? What's he saying? You know,
0: and you can apply way more meaning to the songs than they than the actual songwriters ever thought possible. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Cause I mean, you, you like, <laughs> it, like oh, it. Absolutely. It, like every person will interpret like a poem or a song like slightly differently and be like, I always thought this song was about this. No, oh, no, it's about this. I think you're wrong. Maybe we're both right. Right. And but then but then right. now but then now you can start interacting with a lot of these people that you grew up listening to, like on, on, Twitter on Twitter and stuff like that. And like you can get your answers like way easier rather than just like trying to think about it for like the rest of your life.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but do you always want the answers? Because I gotta tell you, the 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 weirdest thing in the whole course of doing these articles on you guys, the kind of like quirkiest thing was talking to Patrick. Because he's like a little mythical animal. Like he's <laughs> That's just the as, best description of Patrick I've ever heard. He's so adorable. But <laughs> some of the things like, here's an example. Miri, everybody loves that song, right? Oh, the, yeah. yeah. Um, but that, that line near the end where it says, Miri is 300 years older than you and 298 years older than me.
0: Mm-hmm. Just
3: there was something about it where it just got me every time I would laugh and I was just thought, okay, now that's, that's so specific and so interesting. There's gotta be some crazy story about what that's referencing. And I just, and I mean, it's the kind of thing where it got to the point where every time I heard Mary and I thought about that, like, what does it mean? So, you know, when I was interviewing Patrick, the whole time that we're talking about other stuff, I'm just really waiting and asking this question. And it was like 20 minutes into the interview. I'm like, okay, so Mary, what is the deal with 298? And seriously, he was like, Oh, huh? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't really remember. I don't know. Oh my God. And I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, you're kidding. That is such a like trippy line. Dude, there must've been a reason. And he was like, I think it maybe had something to do with the fact that Dr. McCoy was maybe a little bit older and they just kind of trailed off. Oh and my. Then wow.
1: On to some other stuff. And I was like, <laughs> wow, like that's amazing. That's a classic
3: Patrick yeah, move for you right that there. That
0: sounds exactly like Patrick. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know. It was from like <laughs> nine years ago. I don't know. <laughs> just threw me for a loop. So, but it was, but it was super like, I actually ended up loving that answer about it more than I would have <laughs> if he'd been like, "Well, I mean, Doctor McCoy was technically two point five years older, so or whatever, you know." Man,
1: yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty classic Patrick answer.
3: Yeah, Mike. One thing I didn't get to include in the story, I don't think that he told me a story of that you guys long before Five Year Mission had actually talked about like
0: a Buffy fan <laughs> band. <laughs> Yeah, basically, it would have been this band. Only we would be doing episodes of Buffy. So basically,
1: the, the exact the exact same idea, but just switch Star Trek to Buffy.
0: Yeah,
3: right. Are you glad you ended up with Star Trek? I, I know I well, am. Well, yeah,
0: obviously. I mean, I I love Buffy, and I'm I would be more than happy to to do a band recording songs about Buffy. But I, I think Star Trek provides. I mean, first of all, I mean Buffy is seven seasons, and that's just one of the tar- one of the Star Trek series. Yeah, you know, there's you know yeah. a lot more material in Star Trek, so you know we we wouldn't run out as quickly.
1: That's very true. Yeah, and play. And plus, there's there's a lot more Star Trek conventions than there are Buffy conventions.
3: Yeah, <laughs> for, for now. That is true. For now. <laughs> For now, he said with a sinister tone. How many firefly conventions did you
1: see? Let's,
0: wait, wait till Sarah Michelle Geller falls a little bit further. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she needs that cash grab. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then, and then we'll see if, if she'll agree to do BuffyCon. Oh my gosh.
3: So anyway, so I was listening so I was listening to this, the band a lot. Like Frank and I were, you know, kind of listening to one you know, we had sort of a playlist of songs that we would do. And after a while I just thought yeah, these are so good. Like, you know, Star Trek fans, if they don't already know this band, really should. And you know, my newspaper is like fairly Santa Cruz, Northern California specific. Yeah. So unless you guys played over here, which you know clearly you don't come out to California much, you know, I didn't I didn't really have an excuse to write it for the paper. But I I did reach out um, because I thought there's got to be something that I can write about them for. Um, and Chris answered my email with a big old long email and he was great. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, that sounds like Chris. And he was just
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were just both like nerding out on stuff. And, uh, he was like, Oh, that's awesome. You know, about Frankie and stuff. And and I said, well, you know, if something comes up that I can find to write, um, I can find a platform to write about you guys. I'd really love to. And he was like, Oh yeah, we'd be totally into it. So then I just, um, you know, star com be fun to write for them. So I, I just sent her a pitch and said, Hey, you know, I don't know if you've heard of this band. And I, I think what, what might have sold her on the idea was that I specifically said like that all the songs were basically like mini Star Trek novels, which is kind of how I describe them to people. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's why people like the whole expanded universe, Star Trek novels. Cause they, they find out, Oh, what was this other character thinking? And I, I felt like so many of the five-year mission songs do that um, and kind of create their own little universe. You know, she said, oh, I mean, I pitched one story. She said, no, do, do two, like do a Q and A with the band and, and then do something where you tell everybody what the, what the best songs are. And uh, that was a whole can of worms. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm out, sure. like, good Lord. Like just once you, know, especially when you're really listening to a band a lot just to figure out five or 10 songs is nuts. But what I did uh, because I was really torn. You know, if I do Miri and I do Shore Leave and I, even maybe Cat's Paw, something like that, you know, are they too obvious? Like, are, will fans of who know the band already say like, oh, well, of course, you pick those. Like, everybody knows those. <laughs> Where's the deep? I, so I just was kind of torn. Um, Why didn't you pick iMorgue? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why didn't I pick iMorgue? You know, somebody out there thought that, though. Oh, exactly. Somebody out there literally read this and was like, OK, I came here for iMorgue. I'm disappointed, <laughs> you know, thumbs down. You
0: didn't even mention um, Givers of Pain and Delight. Nobody mentions I, the Givers of Pain
3: and Delight. <laughs> I didn't, but if it had been a different list, I might have. Actually, it's, if we have time tonight, I would love to do, I did have a separate list, which was oh. like Five-Year Mission Deep Cuts. Ooh. Like once you've heard... The kind of like grabbiest ones. So, what did people in the band think about that list when they finally saw it?
1: I was fine with it, except it lacked a lot of me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. But you're on all the songs, Andy. I know I'm on all the songs, but I would gotta say if Spot, Spot Spring was a contender. I gotta say,
1: yeah, that's a that's a, it's usually one that we actually get requested fairly often. It's it, it's definitely a little more like the one of the more like upbeat numbers that we have. Yeah, it's pretty different from all the other stuff. So it's kind of a nice little thing to toss in towards the middle of the set or like three songs towards the end of the set somewhere around there just to be like, all right, here's a little caffeine in your system.
0: That way we're not scaring them off early in the set.
1: Well, no, to be fair, we (laughs) actually have opened up the set with with the Givers of Pain and Delight a few times.
0: Yes, yes, we've done that. Really? That's amazing. Well, I am a
3: huge Cramps fan, so Gotta Save Spock's Brain kind of like it was very luxe interior to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's funny is is that I actually actually got to see the band that that I ripped that song off of, uh, Oblivion's. I got to see them uh, just uh, just a couple of weeks ago in Memphis. Do they
3: know that you ripped off the song? No,
1: <laughs> no. I'm the, they they are too intimidating and too influential on me to go up and be like, "Hey, I ripped off one of your songs, sir. I'm in a Star <laughs> Trek band."
0: Can I get your autograph? <laughs> No. Can you put down a veggie plate for a second, <laughs>
3: <laughs> Mike? What did you think of the list?
0: I uh, I thought it was good. Uh, I was going through it and and thought they were good choices, good good songs for like introducing people to the band. Right. I I think all of the guys thought that the list was a good good choice. I didn't I didn't hear any complaints
1: from any of yeah. the band members. So it's not like oh it was so Written House heavy. Oh so Chris heavy. Like
0: I think no it heavy. could have been more Written House heavy. You always you think every <laughs> everything
3: should be more Rittenhouse heavy. <laughs> should, should I tell you guys the Should I tell you guys the list of the 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 truly deep cuts? The deep cuts. Yes. Oh yeah, the,
0: absolutely. Let's hear them.
3: Okay, and 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 some of these songs I actually like maybe even a little bit more than the songs that were on the list that was published. But that just might be also because I've heard now I've heard those songs the most. You know, right. of course, especially with Frankie and I listening to them. Like, of course, we can't go that long without listening to like you know. Cat's Paw, like, I don't know that just there's something about Cat's Paw where it's like, that's just very signature five year mission. But you should should see the smile on Mike's face right now (laughs) as you're saying this. I don't know if you saw it, Mike, but there was a terrible article on um, io9 about the five worst Halloween episodes of all time. (laughs) And they picked Cat's Paw as one of them. And now I don't know if I only like Cat's Paw more because of the song, or if I even if I was like when I was a kid, I would have defended it. I can't remember if I liked it when Catspot came on.
0: It's definitely because of the song.
3: Uh, see, probably. See, it. That, that's yeah.
1: the, the, the that's the funny thing about this band is that like we can take a crap episode. Okay. I don't want to say a crap episode, a a, a, less than stellar, less than stellar episode. No, you can say
3: crap. (laughs) A less than stellar
1: episode (laughs) of the original series. And we can make it into a good song. And then people will go back and watch that episode because of the song and kind of gain a new appreciation. Like, especially in the case of like Spock's Brain. Oh yeah. We did an entire album yeah. Yeah. about one of the I guess it was voted one of the worst episodes of the original series. Yeah, I mean
0: it's it's, it's typically considered the worst even though it's really not.
1: Oh, it's definitely not. But yeah. uh, but a lot of people said that they went back because of our album and all the songs that we wrote about Spock's Brain and they said they have a they have a new appreciation for the episode Spock's Brain.
3: Well, I mean and and it's pretty funny because you know, Frankie only wanted to watch Spock's Brain because of the song like she, when I explained the plot, pro- the plot to her, she had no interest. And then, you know, she's just like, "That sounds dumb, very dumb." And uh, but then we, you know, listen to the EP and stuff, and she's like, "Okay, we get, we gotta watch this." And when it was over, the first thing she said was, "You know, that actually isn't that bad." <laughs> like, it's true. It's not boring. There's no, it's some not. plenty of no. TOS episodes that are actually boring. Like the alternative factor. No, the alternative
0: factor is okay.
1: That episode it gets it it's so boring. They could go to those weird yeah. little acid
3: trip cut shots
0: and his his goatee keeps changing. Yeah. <laughs>
3: okay, so here's the list. First one is absolutely errand of mercy. Oh, yeah. I mean, because first of all, the the episode itself doesn't get nearly enough love. I mean, it's got like the freaking most powerful race of aliens in the whole show. Like that, you know, when they come in and sort of end this galactic war out of sheer mind power, it's like the ultimate Star Trek fantasy. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a kid, you're just like, I could stop war just beaming like, (laughs) like war's over. Like, yeah. Um anyway, the so uh, the, the episode's great, but the song is brilliant and what I love about it is kind of how it shifts the points of view. Like it you know, it the first part it sort of captures like Kirk you, you know he's making these kind of like the dumbest like pro-war arguments because he's you mm. know, he says I'm a soldier, not a diplomat. He thinks this is what he's supposed to do, and he actually ends up basically apologizing for that at the end of the episode. Yeah, he's yeah. I'm
1: j- I'm just I was just following orders.
3: Right. How could I have thought that? You know, oh, how oh, oh, silly. Um, but then, you know, then it gets like a verse to the Klingons and, you know, they're they're not going to apologize for being pro war. But of course not. the song kind of gives them their say. And then the Organians just come in at the end. And it's the song. It's just like the episode. They're just like, you're ridiculous. Your arguments are stupid. We're going to save you despite yourselves. <laughs> I just, I'm, So anyway, I, the, that's great song. Second one, Bread and Circuses. All right. I can, I'll, I'll definitely agree with that. You know, it's, just, it's a low key. I mean, a lot of these songs are kind of more low key than, than the other ones. Uh, and the song has to kind of grow on you. But I, I love that it picks the Brothers of the Sun who are just sort of like these meek characters yeah you know that that turn out to you know they're gonna have the power to change this Empire and you know it kind of it takes the, those characters and kind of shows why they're bad yeah
1: well um, and plus it's it's a, it's a great argument for the time like especially like in the 60s i mean they were they, they were like tackling religious freedom in the 60s yeah and so yeah. so again yet another example of star trek being ahead of its time and discussing the hard issues whether it's super heavy-handed like uh what was it uh may, uh may this be your last battlefield
3: yeah yeah, Right. With the, the black and white. And the,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You're different A Little, from little us. much, but You're different from us. We're half, we're gonna, we're, let's war. You're half
3: different than us. Yeah, right. We're better than we're, you. Right. We're
0: exactly the same, except just the opposite. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and then I love that the line at the end of Bread and Circuses, um, Bread and Circuses, we are not impressed. Like to me, that's, yeah. that's just the message of the episode in one line sort of said in the coolest way possible. that's Noah for you. Love that. Um, (laughs) So third one is there in truth, no beauty, which is just, you know, like a Chris love song, but basically the ugliest creature in the galaxy gets a love song. That's pretty awesome.
1: (laughs) I keep, I I keep on saying that that, that I'm waiting for the day that somebody plays that as like the first dance at their wedding. (laughs) <laughs> or or or, are there, or or we see like a like a proposal video with that song in the background,
3: and they're like, "But wait, have you seen this episode? They're hideous." Yeah, exactly. But see, you know, you, I think, Mike, you talked to me for the article about how originally you thought, well, maybe we won't even have these songs be obviously about Star Trek at all. Like maybe we won't even yeah. say it. Yeah. And then some people will just pick up on it. To me, this song is like that. It's just, it's almost like a love. It's just a normal love song. And then you, there's little lines like, um, you know, was I just another assignment for you? you're like, what assignment? Like mm-hmm. then you'd get that it's from something referencing something, but it doesn't have to be Star Trek right. necessarily also, I just think that both Chris and Mike, a lot of the the language in their songs, like a lot of the the wording, is just sort of very like direct. I don't want to say simple, but it you know it's it, it, <laughs> but no, really. I mean, it is like Star Trek can get a little flowery. It can get a little full of itself. It's got the Shakespearean titles all the time. and yeah. You know, everyone's like, (laughs) but sometimes the five year mission songs sort of take that and kind of cut, cut through it to just be very directly about some important message or some emotion. And so I think a lot of Christmas songs do that. This song particularly does it. You know, I don't know if it gets as much play in people's minds as like Metamorphosis or Naked Time or something.
1: For a while there, we had been doing a beauty live a lot. It has. It, I don't think it's been on the last couple set
0: lists. Uh, I, I think it got replaced by the "City on the Edge of Forever" r- remix fast version. Yeah, yeah. But when, <laughs> and, and fast we fast
1: version? We, yeah, uh, we're talking about possibly recording the fast version of it now. Uh, we just kind of Whoa. redid like kind of like a kind of a Ramon style. Version ah. of, of City on the Edge of Forever, so we'll 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 be recording that here soon. Th-
0: there's a thing we do at practices where we take our slow songs and just mess play around. Make we, them we play them fast and more more like upbeat rock songs,
1: and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. You that? Or we'll do weird jazz versions of them.
0: Yeah, we, we that we, is
1: awesome, like Jazz Odyssey. We yeah, exactly. We, we
0: have a handful of them that we may be putting out at some point as. New versions. Alternate
3: versions. That's so cool. So is the City on the Edge of Forever, did it have the same words? And it's just faster? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. the
0: same, really the same everything. The uh, the chord progression's the same. Um I think Patrick's guitar is probably slightly different.
1: Yeah, the leads, yeah.
0: But uh, the, the bass line I play is actually the exact same bass line. I'm just playing it faster.
3: Oh, you guys have got to put that out. That's awesome. Oh, we will. We definitely will.
0: It's also in 4-4 four, four instead of 3-4. Yes.
3: Oh, right. Not a waltz. For, for the music sense. nerds. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So the next one is Ultimate Computer. That's two House songs. <laughs> oh, that is two
0: Rittenhouse songs. I'm keeping count.
1: He's actually throwing, he actually just, just threw up his fingers and goes, that's two. <laughs> just silently off mic.
0: <laughs> well, but
3: you were just talking about songs that were better than the episode. I mean, come on. This is oh, yeah. probably the primary one in my mind. Well, I mean it's it's
1: it's it's, it, it's yet another episode where Kirk has to has to outsmart a computer. Cuz that's a very common theme in the original series, but well, there's four episodes that at, four or at five least. at least. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, it and it's just it's so like I really like uh who is it? William Marshall who plays the the scientist uh-huh. that yeah. made the M5. Like I like, you know, he was Blackula. I mean, mm-hmm. I love that guy. But ah oh, they didn't give it just made him so boring and the whole episode so humorless like
0: yeah it was a pretty dry I mean, come episode on. yeah oh,
3: a, a computer taking over from kirk should have been like amazing but it's just oh let's install it i don't know if we installed it right uh <laughs> be some there seems to be some problems let's go see if we can reinstall it. like oh my god <laughs> there's
1: still some bugs to work out in the processor
3: like an it episode so <laughs> right um, have, have,
1: have you have you tried turning it on and off again? <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was an episode where Frankie was like, "This is so boring. I'm never watching this again." Exactly. And I think she was shocked because we listen to the song all the time, and the song's so funny. I mean, and the, you know, and that's really the key of it is it's this little pop punk song about a computer with an ego problem, mm-hmm. you know, a god complex. Um, it's not wrong. A funny idea. <laughs> no, no, it's I mean the line. Now that I'm in control, I promise to be smart and not screw this up. And now I'm going to do what I'm told. Here's an example to start. Whoops! I blew it up. <laughs> that, I've always that loved that line. That is that is prime Star Trek: The Original Series songwriting right there. And
1: that's also prime prime Writtenhouse because he will oh. he will screw things up and he's like, whoops!
3: Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> right? It, it, it's fine. He does- He does sing it with conviction, so yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so then this other one, this this could be controversial based on what Patrick told me because he told me that you guys did not love his accent on by any <laughs> other name.
0: It, it was it was definitely uh, an issue in the band. Yeah, it was a it was, really? it was a point
1: of contention. Didn't did, didn't we actually have him in the studio do an alternate version where he didn't do the accent? He,
0: he recorded several different takes of it. His original take was was really thick. Very thick. And it Huh. I think the the biggest the the problem we were having was that it it was taking away from the song. It it was it was such a parody of the accent that it it was distracting. Yeah, it was distracting you from the song itself, which is a good song. But the uh, yeah. you know, but but it's just it's kind of like when you're watching a TV show and someone's doing. Like this weird accent and it's so off that it takes you out of the show and you you can't really watch it anymore, you know?
1: Yeah, you're just distracted by like
3: how bad it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you do it live and
3: does he sing it with the accent live?
1: He does, but luckily, um, after, after we talked with him about it, he kind of softened up the accent and we kind of came to like a, Uh more of a happy medium.
0: Yeah. So he did, he did the really thick one and then he did one that was just kind of the accent, which is mostly what you hear on the album. Yeah. And then he did one that was really just straight. And you, know, we ended up going with uh, the 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 medium one because it, you know I feel like the song, you know, I feel like it's good with a little bit of the accent, but mm-hmm. he, he was just going yeah. really overboard with it, and it just became kind of a an issue with us when we were trying to. F- finalize the album yeah we, we went back and forth on it for several days
3: <laughs> wow that's really interesting yeah because i to me it's like one of those songs where you're like oh this is kind of the best pokes song that the pokes didn't actually write you
1: it's, know uh, this, uh, the, the second i got i got his demo for that song i immediately was like was like dude this is awesome it's like it's like the it's like the pokes yeah. So, yeah i love
3: it it's funny as hell um and it's it's a great scene that it's based on too i mean that's maybe not a great episode, but the scene where Scotty gets the Kelvin guy drunk may be the best Scotty scene in the whole series. Oh, yeah. A... Other than Trouble with Tribble's bar scene might be the best <laughs> one. But yeah, that one's pretty good. Number two. <laughs> yeah. So that one I think is kind of underappreciated, but I can see why you guys might have a problem with that. And the last one is Spectre of the Gun, which... I'm torn on that episode. I never liked it when I was a kid. It's a weird I was one. Like, why are they doing a, a Western on Star Trek, you know? <laughs> budget.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was it. That was a, like after they got their budget like completely slashed and they had to come up with an excuse. As to why they were wor- they were working on like unfinished sets. Yes, it's like an unrealized dream in here. It's not quite complete. <laughs> it's like, nah, right. you guys, right. you guys lost a lot of your budget, so you gotta come <laughs> yeah. up and be creative.
3: But if you let all that go, if you just don't worry about how half-assed the set is or how weird the idea they're gonna do gunfight at the OK Corral right. on Star Trek is. If you let it all go, it's, it's kind of a cool episode and the, the song to me, there's some five year mission songs that can sort of be like a key to, to understanding the episode a little better, you know, maybe going a little bit deeper with the episode or enjoying it more. And it, and it's really like a fun song. It makes me, you know, the first time I watched it, after watched the episode after I heard the song, I just had more fun, you know, just sort of like, let's rewrite history, you know, the silly pun about it's okay. Like, it, there's just something about it that really makes you be like, okay, you know what? When, when all said and done, this is actually like pretty enjoyable. You, you want
1: to know what's hilarious? Literally, what? I was today years old when I just put two and two together. With it's the, the okay it's okay, okay line. It's
0: okay. <laughs> what? <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That
3: is wow.
1: hilarious. You
3: got to wow. tell with that.
1: I, I really mm-hmm. need to start paying attention you, more.
0: You will need to tell him that because he doesn't listen to these. No, Noah does not <laughs> listen to, to the podcast. He, just, he doesn't care. He only cares if he's on it. That's true.
3: So there there was a question that I didn't get to ask because I knew I wasn't going to have room. So I just didn't even bother. And, you know, I took enough of your guys' time when I was interviewing in the first place. But <laughs> and now I, after I've heard a couple of the podcast episodes, I'm curious because you guys have sort of talked around this. I really wonder what your favorite five-year mission album is and kind of what the general consensus in the band is about which one is best Hmm.
0: that's that's a hard question to answer very hard i I think we all have different opinions really yeah overall album
1: i would say spock's brain is probably my favorite just because it's all about one episode we all had very different takes but it's also hilarious that we all of us decided to focus (laughs) in on the brain and brain and brain what is brain And also just shouting the word Spock's Brain. You
0: work with what you're given. That's true.
1: (laughs) But yeah, overall, I mean, like stylistically, songwriting wise, I think that's probably my favorite album. Like, obviously, we put a lot of work into year four. And that album is fantastic. But I would say overall, I think Spock's Brain is probably my favorite.
0: For me, it's probably a tie between year one and year three really yeah you one. yeah, yeah. Classic, Ye- that's huh? so interesting Ye- year one just has a special place like no shut up no i'm i'm not i'm not kidding like <laughs> you got a special place in my you know, uh, we i mean you know, i mean i i think there was just a you know a magic that we <laughs> shut up
1: <laughs> i like the i just love that you're trying to be sincere with an answer and i'm just over here <laughs> laughing at you
0: this is <laughs> this is classic fark and rittenhouse right here that's true <laughs> Uh, anyway, I, I I I think that there was like a special magic that we captured with the first album. You know, it's 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 like your first. You know, like the, there's something special about it, even though it's it's probably our simplest album
1: and most haphazardly put together towards the end yeah
0: as far as writing and, and recording no, they're all like that <laughs> oh no I mean we were
1: we were practicing songs right uh, for the first time right before recording them with that album I know I know
0: the conscience of the king conscious of the
1: king we practiced like an hour before I laid the their the, the initial drums down for it just me and Noah
0: yeah, yeah actually that that's the reason why I had to record the last like thirty seconds of drums.
1: Oh yeah, because we we there was a part that we forgot to add. In. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, unconscious of the king. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a little little uh. Inside baseball on that one That's Mike playing drums <laughs> well, that's
0: funny. Sort of uh, for the last uh, 30 seconds From uh, I never wanted This blood on your hands Like that Yeah that, the that most simplistic right. hits Yeah that that to through the end With like the cymbal the well. Yeah, the, yeah the, the, That that's all me Like Andy was just like I'm outie he, He's like I've had
3: it with this
1: No we actually they, that was literally Because we, we'd, we'd rehearsed it Right before we recorded it We forgot to put that part at the very end So, so Mike had to go go back through and post and add that in.
3: that's funny well mike it's funny that, that year three is your other one because that has become my favorite like by far now
0: yeah i mean year three it's i mean it's got mirror mirror it, it's you know it's it's got cat's paw well it, <laughs> in and
3: some of those songs like after i did the list i swear to god like the next day patrick had said something when i interviewed him he was like oh i think i mud is like the, my favorite Song that I wrote, and I kind of was thinking maybe Frankie would like I'mod, so I was thinking, hey, let's listen to that song again. And I don't know what it was, but that just kicked off this thing where we listened to it like a ton of times in a row, and then we kind of just started listening to Year Three like all the way through, and the songs just sort of lead right into each other. I think like the Changeling is kind of underrated. Like that's a great. Kind of opener. Yeah, that's a, that, that, um, that does make a great opener. Yeah, yeah, it's a great yeah. opener. The, the apple. Uh,
0: oh yeah. Wolf in the Again, fold. Again, not a great episode, w- Wolf but in the fold is on year three.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I that's the I didn't get to put in the not only Wolf in the fold, but the great Spock's brain incident that I asked all of you about. But then that was, I didn't have room to put it in the Q&A. You guys could probably do a whole podcast episode just on that. On, but on, you on have, what? On what? On Spock's Brain from year four. Oh, like uh, Spock's the Brain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The,
0: the only song that's actually titled Spock's Brain.
1: That's true. Even, yeah, even all the songs actually on the album Spock's Brain.
3: I had so many good quotes from you guys about, and I and I really wanted to use that sort of, I wanted to do a whole kind of, piece of the Q and a that was just like w- how the spot's brain thing played out one, because it was funny. Yeah. Um, and, and everybody was very funny in, in sort of recounting the arguments that you had over it or disagreements or whatever, mm-hmm. but also because I think it just sort of showed how the generous you are with each other mm-hmm. as a band, because the, the minute that my, I mean, here's Mike like, you know, Chris had like basically said, your song sucks. And, <laughs> you know, and, and, and kind of tried to completely talk him out of having it on the record. He tried. And when Oh, he tried. And right. But, but when, Mike, when I was asking you about it, the first thing that you went to when you were answering was, well, look, like Chris is kind of the conscience of the band. Like he's sort of the person who says like, mm, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't do that we shouldn't do this. Like you just went straight to like giving him credit for something instead of just like trashing him or like making fun (laughs) of something, you know, which you guys did plenty of, Um, (laughs) but, and, and he did this and he did the same. Like when he talked about it, he was like, yeah, I wasn't that into it, but he was just super, he was like, Hey, you know, in the end, like if they love it, like, I'm going to go with it. Like I'm here for the band. I just thought, like, wow, this is... It's even interesting. The first time I looked at your guys' Wikipedia page, and, you know, a lot of times when you look at some band's Wikipedia page, it'll say, members. And then will have, like, four people. Past members. And there's 20 people. Right. And you can just be like, yeah, those guys suck. Like, you you do not want to be in a band with those guys. And when you look at the members on your... It's just like, you guys have all been in this from the beginning, all hung together, even if there were disagreements and stuff like that. And I just thought... I just wanted to have that in there to show how some, how well you guys work together when like things didn't go perfect, but I didn't have room. And it just, out of all the things, I was like, now nah, I I got to cut that one. But, and it's too bad. I mean, it's just, it's kind of, I just thought it was maybe, so on some episode you guys have got to talk where both Chris and Mike and Noah, Andy, you were totally funny talking about it. You're like, yeah, I don't know. They were like, there was some kind of like, let's vote for, like who wins over this song or something like you were just kind of like ahead of hazy recollection
1: or something. Oh, no, I, st- I still remember when Mike and Noah actually wrote that Spock's Brain song and it was in the weirdest place. We were we were at a convention uh, that we go to every year called Concave. Noah and Mike are like whispering about something. They were like, oh, hey, we'll be we'll be back in a while and i was like where are you guys going oh we're going to go we're going to go work on spock's brain can i come and help you guys out no it's a secret you'll hear it when it when it's time to record it i was like what and what's really hilarious is that i recorded the drums for the for the backing track of that song yeah. without actually hearing the song first yep it was just like all right do 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 a drum beat kind of like this all right let's let's try a drum beat kind of like this just kind of go up at this part Make it a, make it a little more dynamic. I'm like, okay. And then I literally did not hear, yeah. one single note of that song until we started sending out a, like original mixes, like to, to like uh, critique. And so, yeah, no that was way.
0: and he, he, even then, it didn't have the the dialogue yet. No, I was just sending out the instrumental to to get the mix down. and i I finally sent them the mix with the dialogue <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was it you was guys,
3: so you and noah definitely knew it was gonna yeah, be like controversial
0: we had we had we'd talked about it for a long time we'd been planning it and uh, at concave we decided it. yeah we we brought well no we we had ideas you know oh, i and know at, at concave we we brought some recording equipment and decided to just lock ourselves in, in a room for an hour or two and just experiment with it and uh we didn't really get anything there that we could save, but you know, we definitely got ideas, kind of
1: ideas out for the
0: final. And then yeah, then uh one night we just came into Hero House, pointed a mic at each of us, hit record, and just talked about Spock's brain for like two hours. And just kept like the best bits, basically. Yeah. And, and yeah, we, we we kept like re repeating things and like we we would we would laugh so much that we had to start over each conversation like 10 times. Which, like, is,
1: which is hilarious at the very end of the song, because you can hear Noah laughing at his own line. How long does this turbo right. live? take?
0: Yeah, that was the best <laughs> right. one.
1: He did <laughs> like so 20
0: of those, and that was the only one that he didn't laugh through the entire thing. <laughs> and, and
1: still one of one of my new favorite running jokes. I haven't really done it on the podcast at all. But the way in that song that they, like anytime anybody uses the measurement two years, I say it exactly <laughs> how Mike says in the song two years, two years. <laughs> it's like almost a weird slight Canadian accent behind it. That was like two years ago. Uh,
0: the The funny thing about that song is, I hear myself saying words from that song all the time, <laughs> and or or like <laughs> phrases from it because that truly is just Noah and I talking in our yeah. normal dialogue like the way we say things and and so I'll I'll hear myself say something that sounds exactly like a line from the song and then I'll just laugh for no reason and yeah. the people I'm talking to are like like why are you laughing
3: what <laughs> is wrong with you yeah and what's funny is that it's I know you you recorded a lot and then picked the best things but that's one of those songs where I mean, there was like a couple of weeks where Frankie and I would just listen to it over and we jump in the car. We're like, hey, should we listen to Five Year Mission? Yeah, what do you we listen to? Oh, Spock's brain. <laughs> and so when I was when I was interviewing Chris, you know, because then I told him I was like, hey, you know, like no, I thought I think it's super funny, and he's like, Yeah, I didn't think it was that funny. You know, and he's like, I mean, I just didn't feel like it had, like, the, the re-listenability that a lot of other songs have. And I completely get what he was talking about in terms of, like, you do want your songs, you know, people just be able to, like, play them over and over. And sometimes when something's, like, maybe really talky, people won't want to do that. But it's just so funny that I was just thinking, like, we've listened to this song, like, 70 times. Like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. It's super re-listenable.
0: When when year four came out, uh, obviously we were a little nervous about that song and yeah. how it would be received, especially Chris. You know, <laughs> Chris, Chris was yeah. all the way up until the day that the album came out, he was... Trying to talk me out of it, (laughs) and um, yeah, we
1: we were we were about about to send it off to press.
0: Is that really the (laughs) Spock brain we want to put on the album? The the really funny thing is, for the next couple of weeks after the album came out and people started listening to it, that was the song that people talked about the most, and like in a good way too. Like so, it was you know I felt justified, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. I have to say one of the things that I really love that you guys did more early on but you did a lot more videos for like the the songs on the first like like maybe like year one like the and episode then, videos yeah the episode videos or even just the ones where you like you know that you did like arena uh you know oh, like or our, galileo our, seven our where you videos. acted yeah, something out but i just thought oh my god that one should get a, a video because i don't really know so if, if
0: I thought about doing an animated video for it. Oh, yeah. yeah like you did, like idea. the animation
3: style from yeah. the video podcast. Yeah. That would be brilliant. Because some of the, you know, sometimes Frankie, like, she'll be like, oh, this song's great. We got to watch the video, like, the meaning the episode video. And then we'll look it up and be like, oh, that doesn't have one. Mm-hmm. And we'll just be like, ah. Oh. Bummer.
0: Yeah, we get we got lazy towards the end of year three, and we haven't done any since. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah,
3: there's like none from year four, right?
1: None. Right. No. The the only video from year four is uh, Ultimate Computer, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. that's the live one where you're actually recording it or
0: yeah yeah recreating recording no, it or we, something. No, we we were those are real that's real that's footage studio, of us yeah. recording it because okay. like, because my, my okay. Mike had
1: that idea for that video of like when we started recording the album so
0: the only one that's that's not real is Patrick because I forgot to set the camera up when he came to record it and I realized it after he went home and so
1: then he came in wearing star sunglasses yeah. with a key guitar <laughs>
3: So yeah, <laughs> he, guitar, he, right.
0: he he was very very kind to make another trip down here and, and pretend to be recording it.
3: <laughs> but that was a great idea with the little like nine squares and everything. It was very cool. But like Omega Glory should really have a, a, a an episode video. video. It yeah. would just be yeah. it would be so funny because that episode's so ridiculous. Oh, you actually God. have to be watching it to remember how ridiculous it is. Especially like the last like four minutes.
0: It's a decent episode yeah. until the last few minutes
1: yeah exactly we've we've actually always said that about that episode it's like no that's a great episode well the last few minutes are pretty awful but right
3: (laughs) right well well, chris was saying when i talked to him he was like yeah maybe if i wanted to be like super authentic i could have done three quarters of a great song and then the last like 30 seconds suck you know
0: that's a great idea we 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 actually love to do little subtle things like that, L- like in uh, tomorrow's yesterday with like the rewind the sound rewind effect. Thing. Yeah,
3: oh, I love that. Yeah, you know, st-
0: stuff like that. Like I love slipping in little like subtle Nuts. things like that. I think having the last few se- seconds of Omega Glory suck would have been awesome. That, we we should have done that. Way. Yeah,
3: tomorrow's yesterday is another one of those like shore leave where that just kind of sealed it for me. Because it, it took me, you know, a couple of listens to sort of figure out that that was what was going on. Because, you know, I hadn't seen the episode in a long time. And so I was like, oh, wait a minute. Don't they, they go back in time? And then I watched it again. And the minute that I watched the episode, I was, think, and I was thinking about the song the whole time. And then when he's back in his cockpit, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, such a great device in the song. Yeah. Do you guys do that one live? Oh, yeah. Quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. n- not as much... Lately, but it used to be uh, regular on our set list at every show.
1: Yeah, what was nice is that we did that song at the the Children's Museum for the opening of the uh, Star Trek Exploring New mm-hmm. Worlds exhibit that we're a part of. And then nice. uh, they used it. They used it. Yeah, yeah. they were. They made it. They made a video. They took like live clips of us playing the opening, and then shots of us like running around the exhibit. So running
3: itself. around the museum. Okay, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that, I thought that was a pretty awesome thing for them to do and it's like hey we got some more we got another video out of the deal so
3: yeah <laughs> right now there's some there's a weird part in that video where you guys are looking at were, were you actually part of the exhibit because it said something like how we became a band or something yeah like you're um, listening to it
1: yeah when we played uh star trek las vegas chris and noah and i sat in a side room and we were initially told it was just for like a like a, a kind of an NPR esque kind of story, and then yeah. it turned turned out that the guy was from the from the Museum of uh, of Pop Culture, and so they uh, we did the interview, and it was a uh, just it was, but the fun fact about that one is that during the interview, Joan Collins accidentally walked into the room and then backed right what? out right back out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, yeah, that was that was a fun one. But then there's like also a, a photo of us in the exhibit itself. But, yeah, we were, awesome. we were part of that. And we actually what was funny is that when it was in Detroit, I actually stood next to our photo for for a few minutes because we played up there as well. I just stood next to the photo and people would walk past me like, recognize that guy? That's me. Yep. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm in a museum looking at myself in a museum. This is so meta.
0: <laughs> it's so meta, man. <laughs> so Chris has now joined us. Hello, Chris.
3: Hello. So Chris, you know, you weren't here when I asked him about this before, because I was talking about sort of the list that I did of the best five year mission songs. What did you what do you think of the final list?
2: Everybody has their own list of, of the songs that they like. But I thought it was thought it was pretty good. As far as I'm concerned, you know, when you were asking what our favorite songs were and that kind of thing, it's really yeah. hard to answer. And so I look at it as this is, you know, this is kind of what you view as your best and that's I think it's really cool. But I mean, it was nice to see a couple of my songs in there, so that was good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did a little clearly did a little thing where, you know, like when when I liked the same things about someone's song, I tried to like sneak them in. Like group yeah. them together, because it would seem like if I did a second entry on it, it'd be like, well, I like this for the same reason I like the other one.
2: You did a top 10, like a person that has
3: a really hard time doing their top 10. which no, good. So true. <laughs> And if I'd done it on a different day, it probably would have been like seven yeah. of them would have been different or something. Yeah. And, and after we did the interview, because you had mentioned Omega Glory and Frankie and I had just started listening to that. We were listening to year four and that ended up being one where we listened to that a ton. Like, I just think it's hilarious. But, like, welcome to Omega. It's so goofy, like yeah. just exactly the way the episode is.
2: Well, I, you know, and I, I think I may have mentioned it to you. The, the character, um, oh, what's his name? The captain that's stranded there. I can't think of his name yeah i can't either captain tracy captain, captain tracy. tracy yeah right you know he's so clearly full of it you know i wanted that to be his voice like just over the top you know really just wanting to sell this whole idea of, yeah you're here we're so happy you're here right,
3: right. Yeah, then over the course of the song you figure out more about like mm-hmm. it just gets a little more sinister a little bit at a time like oh and you're not leaving oh the disease yeah, won't right. let you leave <laughs> Like, sorry, it had to be you. I really like you.
2: Yeah, this kind of, you know, glad handing was kind of the the whole idea behind that song where it's like, oh, yeah, we're great you're here, but, you know, sorry, you can't leave.
3: Which the music really <laughs> matches because it's kind of this big, like, showy, like, sort of mm-hmm. arena rock, like,
2: hey, I'm putting on a show over here. Yeah, it's, it's one of my most fun songs for me to play. It's fun because you can kind of rock out to it. Do
3: you guys play that one a lot live?
2: Yeah, we've been playing that one since like a year before. Was it, or was it two years
0: before? It, year we played it for off. about two years before we made the album. Yeah,
2: we started playing it like yeah. 20, in, in, in
1: 2016 when we played uh, the 50th anniversary in Vegas.
2: Yeah, we were playing it then. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Because we had no idea how long it was going to take us to get year four done. <laughs> that was the first song that I had written for the album. And it just lent itself so well to to being played live that we just started playing it right away and it just was one of our staples for a long time and we i still really like playing it you know it's kind of like the naked time we played the naked time so much yes we did from the beginning and we we don't really play it that much anymore i think omega glory has kind of taken the place of naked time as one that we play quite a bit yeah
3: on the uh, on the what are little songs made of podcast, mm-hmm. you guys were talking about doing the really dramatic opening for the Galileo Seven and yeah. so how it didn't work out at all. <laughs> and you were you were saying like, oh, we we got to do that again, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think Andy, you were like, no, no, <laughs> let's not do that. Uh, but I, it kind of made me curious. Like, do you? switch up songs a lot or is like once something gets in the set list does it tend to stay for like a few years It, it
1: really depends on like how many shows we have back to back to back like if we have like two or three shows within a month and they're in fairly separate locations like not even in the same city we'll tend to stick with like the same like 16-song set, but we'll we'll dust off some chestnuts every now and then that we haven't played for a while. We were actually just talking about trying to bring uh, Metamorphosis back into the mix. Oh, nice. We haven't done, done that one live for a while now.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely the one who always wants to rearrange the set list, because not only do I don't, I, like, I don't want the band to get bored, but I, I especially don't want the audience to get bored, and when, when you open every single show with the cage and for the war or for (laughs) his head is hollow. And I have touched (laughs) Spock's brain for like two years straight, two years, two years. You, you know, that not only are you bored with opening the show that way, but you know, the fans are going to, they're expecting it. They know that that's what you're going to play. And I just, I don't want to get to that point where they know what we're going to do. That's why at, uh, know you, uh, I, I was just say at one of our most recent shows we put shore leave on the set, set list as a surprise because everyone's always asking for it, but we didn't actually write it on the list so that when people were peeking at it they didn't know we were going to play it.
1: Right. Oh, nice. Which, which I I'm always a fan of. Like if if there is a surprise in there, just make it like an asterisk. You will know what the asterisk means, right. but they won't. Right.
3: Right. Like a real surprise. Yeah.
0: Uh, So you missed our like twenty minute discussion about uh, the song Spock's Brain. Yep. Which version? From year four. Oh, Spock's Brain. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I was I was
3: telling them that was the only one of the only parts that I had to leave off of the Q and A because I just didn't have room. But I was kind of bummed because I felt like that besides the just sort of being a funny story about behind the scenes, it also just kind of showed like how well you guys treat each other and how much you really respect each other. And just that you, Chris, both you and Mike, when you were just about to go into like how much of a drag this, like, this problem had been, you just like taught, just really said something like really nice about each other. And I just thought like, Oh, like that's why there's still a band. Like these guys, you know, it's hard to keep a band together. And these guys have stuck together and clearly like just a, a lot of mutual respect. All the way around, which, you know, would have been kind of the, the cool little thing about that story. But, you know, it was, it was way too long already.
2: Well, I think we have the benefit of having known each other for a long time prior to being in the band together. So, I mean, with the exception of, of Andy. Sorry, Andy. You're welcome. We didn't. We, <laughs> we all knew each other. And so, um, you know, you kind of go into it with a certain amount of just respect as far as being friends.
0: So, Chris, another question that Steve asked us earlier was, uh, "What is our favorite five-year mission album?"
2: I, I go back and forth on that one. I think probably two or three um, for different reasons. You know, I like to listen to an album. I don't like to listen to to an album that has a couple songs that I like, and then you know I'll skip all the rest. I like uh-huh. to try to. I think we make an effort to make them listenable all the way through and enjoyable all the way through. All killer, no filler. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, which I mean, admittedly, with four different people writing each each album, it, it's it's a little bit easier because each one of us we're only re- you know we're only responsible for four songs, and it's a lot easier to write four songs than it is to write sixteen good songs. I have a lot of love for two because I think the, you know, we pulled that, that album together in about a year. Yeah. And the, the leap from year one to year two, as far as quality.
0: We peaked on shore leave. We peaked on shore leave. <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: Um, I think, I think it's just a, a huge leap there. And then, you know, three, we just kind of really refined it. And I, I think, I think I might have to go with three in general.
0: So, so Chris, does does that make four your least favorite? Because you have to skip both by any other name and Spock's brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, gotcha.
2: I, I don't skip by any other name usually. I think I've grown accustomed to it.
3: But I think what's kind of funny though, Chris, is he sort of did a little bit of what you did on Naked Time, where it just he focused in on one scene that's really good mm-hmm. in the episode. And I was, yeah. telling, uh, I was telling them, I think that scene where Scotty gets the Kelvin drunk is probably my favorite Scotty scene in the whole series, except for maybe the triple bar scene. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's just kind of, you know, I like that in both Naked Time and uh, by any other name. It's almost like you get to kind of relive the, that, that scene a little bit. So, But I, I do think the production, you can see the refinement of the production all the way up through year four. And I wrote about this a little bit in the, the list, but you know, I don't think there's any way you guys could have done, you know, something like immunity syndrome in year one. It's just like such a sonically beautiful song.
2: You know, I, I don't think it would have occurred to us to do it in year one. It was just kind of the beginning. And we weren't really, we weren't thinking so much about, structure of songs and, and building on uh, you know building them we were just thinking okay let's write songs and then everybody else will fall in with some instruments I mean it, it wasn't really much more than that and then year two is when we started really dissecting as we as we built them
0: We we, we got a little more experimental
3: yeah
2: yeah which is why I love year two because that's when we we kind of took the training wheels off, you know?
3: See, I feel like the same way. I think year three, you took a lot of the things that you had maybe started to figure out in year two and kind of blew them up to this more kind of epic level. Like we were, Chris, before you got here, we were talking about The Changeling. And I think that's like my favorite opener of an album. Yeah. Because it just, but it's so dense. Like a lot of the songs are just very sort of, you get to something like I Mud. And it's, you know, listening to Patrick explain how he put together the song and how it was originally two songs. And then he sort of integrated them together. You know, the result is just this like epic song about like a very silly episode, which is just a great contrast. And I think a lot of those songs on year three, they're just like fully fleshed out ideas kind of taken to the nth degree. But as I was doing the article and, and listening to the band, I kind of started to ended up organizing like my questions for you and, and how I sort of wanted the Q&A to go based on things I noticed about your styles of songwriting. I don't know if we really got to talk about whether you actually agreed with those assessments. So I'll just say quickly, like person by person, what I sort of organize them around, but like Mike, you know, he, he's really written a lot. I think of the band's anthems and he, you know, he has that kind of like punkier style sometimes a lot of unusual points of view for the lyrics. Chris has written a lot of the band's like most emotional songs and you know we've talked about that. And also, but what we didn't talk about is also experimented with a lot of musical styles kind of early on, like sort of, Like Squire Agathos really comes to mind where, you know, that was still kind of an early song for you guys, but it was a song where it was like, hey, this is the style of the episode. Maybe we can like branch out a little musically here. And I thought that really worked. And eventually everybody has kind of done that, I think. Noah, I think, has some of the more sonically out there songs, like spacier songs. And the lyrics are a lot of times more impressionistic. And then Patrick, I can't totally, fi- can't totally figure out. He's, <laughs> he's got some of the wackiest songs, but he also has some, you know, really kind of thematically deep songs like uh, "Who Mourns for Adonis." Like that song to me is like really captures what that episode is about in a very very clear way. And it, I don't know, he can do that too. So he he was a little bit more of a mystery to me. But other than that, sort of, what do you guys think of those? Characterizations—they
0: seem pretty accurate. I think that's fair. What about me, Steve? I, I would agree with that. <laughs> I know, Andy. Just you can hold a
3: beat <laughs> like no no one's business.
2: Perfect. Andy writes our, our punkiest songs. That's true. Our punk rock
1: tunes. Punkiest, yes. All my—all the songs that I write are all influenced by the by the show Punky Brewster.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, Punky
2: punk eh? i think you know knowing us individually and knowing the kind of music we produce it makes it makes a lot of sense
3: yeah that's cool
0: uh one last thing i want to ask you steve uh i I like to try and ask all of our guests this is uh what what is uh, aside from five-year mission because obviously we're the number one choice but uh, what is your, or what is one of your favorite things musically, you know, a, an artist, a, you know, a, a band, a song, an album, a composer, just what what's something that, that you love that you want to share with everybody?
3: Yeah, that is so hard. Exactly. Um, can I... I write a the, lot of music stories.
0: Doesn't have to be your, and, your your favorite. It can just be something that you like a lot.
3: Okay. This is gonna be this is a really this is a really weird one. This was my favorite band in high school. First rock show I ever went to, drove like two hundred miles to go see them. And they're super obscure in a way, but not totally. is Oingo Boingo. Oh, the mystic nights of Oingo Boingo. <laughs> awesome. Oingo Boingo. You know, everybody knows Danny Elfman for his film work. Yeah. But I, you know, really, as a, in high school, it was just like every day. It was some Oingo Boingo record. Wow. And, you know, then what's really strange is that, what, like three or four years after Oingo Boingo broke up, the mm. whole ska revival came along. Yep. And they never really got credit for it. Oh no! Um, but but I think they had a lot to do with it. So they recently kind of, without Danny Elfman, who is never going to play rock music again because no. he damaged his hearing um, pretty bad, apparently. The other members have sort of come back together and are playing together. So they and they played um, around here. So I interviewed uh, the guitarist Steve Bartek and the yeah. drummer uh Johnny Vatos. Oh um nice. Hernandez. Yeah. Who I don't Andy, I don't know if you uh have followed his drumming at all, but I just always he was always a favorite of mine. No, I a rock I, drummer.
1: Yeah, I never really uh followed them after their breakup. I mean I I was a big fan of their albums. I was a fan of them dressed up as devils in the uh the movie the the, the Forbidden Zone.
3: Forbidden Zone? Yeah. Oh yeah, written yeah, no, written it's...
1: by, directed by, and starring pretty much the entire Elfman family, hmm. and also Her- Hervé Valache's tattoo from Fantasy
3: Island. It's oh my a God, I know. Weird one. It's so weird, and Danny Elfman as the devil is like the role he was born to play. Oh, it's perfect. Um, besides Jack Skellington, which you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Oingo boingo, and so I got to talk to them, and sort of, it's really weird when you're sort of talking to people that you, music you listen to every day like 30 years ago. Right. But it just really reminded me like how influential that music was. I mean, he was telling me, they were telling me that some of the, the bands that have told them like, oh, we'd never make music without you. Like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. um, like No Doubt really wanted Steve Bartek to produce their second album. The label said no. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, these are, you know, just there's some bands that, Maybe they don't kind of ever break into the mainstream, but they're just the sort of like creative sort of prim- primitive lava that ends up giving birth to a lot of stuff.
0: So, so Steve, when you interviewed Oingo Boingo, did your voice crack when you asked for the interview or did they just tell you to get away so they could eat their veggies? <laughs> They're dead. They're they trying. definitely
3: would have shoved me. Um, but they're getting kind of old. So I wouldn't have fallen all the way down. I would have like caught myself on like True. a table and then stood back up. <laughs> I got, I got pride. Also though, before we go, I want to say thanks to you guys because actually it's, I think the three, I think it's all three of you that mentioned discovery to me while we were doing the interview yeah. And I had no plans to watch it, but I just got intrigued by his, like little things he would mention. Um, and especially Chris, he was talking about naked time and he was talking about Spock and he's like, yeah, if you followed this character for a long time, you sort of see what he's dealing with and you see that even more discovery. And I was like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't watch discovery. Oh, Damn yeah. it. And it just kept, it just kept coming up in the interviews. So I ended up, I've watched all of season one, which I really liked. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm like, maybe five episodes into season two, which I like even more. Oh, yeah. um, Cause they, they brought back the Pike stuff and oh, season like, two they is just brought so back good. number one. Yep. It's, so it, and it's just, I just love it. Like I, I'm so annoyed at the people that were like, well, it's not very Star Trek. Like it is oh, so Star Trek. exactly.
0: Ah. Especially once they get into season two, season two really yeah. starts to feel like Star Trek. Very much so. No,
3: I agree. And I, I think what first, what really sealed it was the speech that Michael gives at the end of season one about what Starfleet is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, this is not just like somewhat Star Trek-ish. Like this is literally like the heart of Star Trek. Oh, absolutely. And then I felt like that just jumped right into season two and everything they've explored is uh, just... So on point, like I, I really love this series. So I just want to say thanks, because I literally would not have watched it. If <laughs> You're it wasn't welcome for the recommendations.
1: All right, well, I think that is going to wrap it up for this episode, uh, Steve. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if, if you guys have not checked it out yet, go over to Star and look up our the article he wrote about us. The world's most prolific Star Trek band embarks on its final voyage uh it's a great article we loved talking to steve during that interview that interview we love talking to steve during this interview and steve if anybody wants to keep like keep up with you uh where can they find you online
3: you can go to check out my newspaper at goodtimesantacruz.com, and you can find me at steve palopoli on twitter
0: perfect
1: there we go any other parting words from you rittenhouse no, that's that's dead on. Chris, are are you are you still here with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Do you have any parting words for us?
2: Sure, it's uh, been great to have you, Steve. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for talking
3: to us. Thanks, you guys. It's really fun. Well, let's do it again sometime. Oh, absolutely.
0: All right, we'll see you next time on Five Year Mission, the <laughs> podcast. You said it right this time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Five Your Mission the Podcast. If any of you are interested in listening to more of our music, you can check us out on YouTube or Spotify, or iTunes, or pretty much anywhere that you can listen to music. Just search for Five-Year Mission, and we should be the first thing that comes up. If you would like to contact us in regards to the podcast, or anything else that you want to talk to us about, you can email us at fiveyearmissionband@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And for more information about the band, you can go to fiveyearmission.net. And also, follow us on
1: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Fansets.com is your home for all things Star Trek pin-related, including pin releases from DC, Harry Potter, and Firefly. You're bound to find something you'll like in the nearly 200 pins. Fansets is currently offering a super limited amount of Brent Spiner and Doug Jones autographed pins. These are almost sold out, and these are also not machine-replicated, and both come with a certificate of authenticity. Also, brand spanking new this month— new pins featuring Captain Janeway, Luther Sloan, Major Harris, the Mako logo from Enterprise, Travis Mayweather, Commander Non, and Michael Burnham. And as an added bonus, listeners can get 15% off their entire order at fansets.com through our special discount code. Simply enter the word NOG at checkout, all caps, N-O-G, NOG, in honor of Mr. Aaron Eisenberg. Fansets, we are Star Trek, and we thank Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode. On the next five year mission, the podcast, we'll be doing another round of what are little songs made of this time? We're going to be inviting Mr. Chris Spurgeon from the band five year mission into the studio comic book store studio, whatever the back of a comic book store to talk about the episode and the song, the squire of Gothos stay tuned and behave yourselves.